Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Books have been around for thousands of years at this stage and hopefully they're going to be around for another few millennia to come. But just as civilizations have come and gone in time, so has the long forecast demise of the bookshop and the physical copies that we have on our bookshelves. To get a sense of where we are now with the business of books, I'm delighted to be joined by Anthony Farrell. He's the publisher of Lilliput Press. Claudia Carroll, an author of more than 18, I believe it's 19 novels, and the latest being called The Love Algorithm, is with us also here in studio. And also we're joined by Aoife Rowntree, who's the manager of Dubray Books at Liffey Valley, but also is the chair of Bookselling Ireland, the association that represents booksellers in both Ireland and the UK. So you're all very welcome to the programme. Anthony, we might start with you as the publisher. Uh, Lilliput Press, founded in 1984. Tell us a little bit about the role of the publisher in all this. So tell us what you do to get the book on the shelf and the process leading up to that. I I see my role really as a a bookmaker. We create beautiful objects out of uh, thin air. But out of... uh, And we are the go-between. We use agents occasionally, and um, we solicit manuscripts. And in the last count, we had 200 submissions. Uh, We open sluice gates every three or four months. And um, so is is that? And if I'm somebody who has a manuscript and I'm bursting to get it out there, um, is it is, is it an area that's Ra- full of disappointment in terms of getting over that hurdle. Of course. Very so, f- everybody has a book in them, but very few people actually do. So yeah. our job is to disabuse them of that of that idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, you say that uh, it's a fairly precarious business in that only one in ten books makes money. So does that mean that the, the one book in ten that makes money makes a lot of money to cover for the nine that lose money. This is broadly true, yes. I think it's across whether you're a micro-publisher like ourselves or Penguin. I think the um, there are many lost leaders, but uh, you're always looking for the, the golden calf. Right, yeah, yeah. right. Um, would I be right that the gestation period for a manuscript getting from manuscript to getting on the shelf is... A year, nine months, a year. Ideally, it's like having a child. It's nine months if if everything's working on a good well, day. On a good day, but often double that because of the um, interrogation process with the author and the editorial uh, creation of the book, which, okay. is, which is an important aspect which uh, we pay attention to. Okay, stand by because I've loads more questions okay. for you, but we'll just we'll just let that settle, and we'll talk to uh, to Claudia Carroll, who's an author, as I said, of nineteen books. Uh, Claudia, you're very welcome to the programme. We've Thank spoken you, to you before. Thank you for coming in. Can you tell me a little bit about your role as the author? And I know maybe you don't want to get into the minute of the business and we won't bring you down anywhere where you're uncomfortable, but can you broadly tell us how it works as an author, i.e. how do you get your book past the process that Anthony discovered there, get it onto the shelves, in Debray books or or some like establishment, uh, our listeners will be interested to know a little bit about the process. Now I know writing is your first love, but we're going to ask you to talk about something slightly different today. That's well, okay. Do you know it's interesting, Bobby? I think if you were to ask fifty different 
writers, authors, that particular question, you would get 50 different answers. Okay. Um, I can only really speak from my own route uh, t- towards being lucky enough to be published and that, you know, wonderful thrill of seeing a book on a shelf. And you think that started from a, a spark in your head. Um, I wrote my first book many years ago and um, you you have a couple of chapters and you have a synopsis. And at the time, a a friend of mine, um, now sadly deceased, the late great Anita Notaro, had said to me, you need an agent, go down the agent route first, which is, again, you ask Mm -hmm. other authors, sometimes just submit directly to... No, well, this is your route, which is what we want to talk about. Yeah. um, I went directly to Marianne Gunn O'Connor, sent my my couple of humble chapters in, um, went home, prayed very, very, very hard for a long time and got a response, uh, a wonderful response. And she said, yeah, you know, there's there's an awful lot of work to do, but I think there might be something here. So we reworked it, rewrote and she very kindly took me on and is my agent to this day. And from there, we went towards um, a publisher. Uh, my first publisher was Transworld, who are now have now amalgamated with Penguin. Um, and it, it went from there. And then once you have an editor in your publishers, they kind of, they take over, they, they sort of take over the rights of your book and they will come back to you with quite detailed, exhaustive notes. And um, they will break down your book. And it's, it, you know, it's a bit like seeing somebody you love having open heart surgery. Right. It's like, oh, no, I don't want to change so this. So would I be right in saying, Claudia, then, and maybe in your first book, when you thought the book was finished, it was really oh, only starting. Believe you me, yeah. they're mm-hmm. never finished. <laughs> right. In fact, I think now, um, it, it, I know Sheila Flanagan says, and Patricia Scallon, and I agree wholeheartedly, you, you pick a book off a shelf with your name on it that you've written and you look through and you still want to get back in there, even though it's published and you signed off, you still want to get back in there and you think, oh God, I wish I'd tweaked this. I wish I'd tweaked that. Why yeah. didn't I do this? But there, there comes a cut off point. It's like a musician when if you're releasing a song out, out there. Can I ask you as well, Claudia, who pays for what then in terms of you write the book, so the publishing costs, the, the paper, the book, that's all carried out by Anthony's people. That's their... publisher. Your publisher basically would buy, well, I think from, I know from my own point of view, again, which is the only one I can speak about, is that we would have a a contract. Your agent and your your editor would agree a contract. And in that, the book contracts are quite detailed. They go on for pages and pages and not getting into the nitty gritty, but everything is timed. Yeah. So they would say on this date, we would expect a completed manuscript. By this date, we would expect edits, first draft edits to be done, which are first draft edits can take any length of time. They can take, usually they're the longest ones. They can take several months. Then we have the uh, copy edits, which are, you know, you've more tighter amount of time to do those, maybe a month or so. Okay, so you're working towards a schedule. You're working towards quite a a, a scrupulously drawn out schedule. And I have learned to my cost, woe betide you if you don't stick to it. If you don't stick to it, you mess around an awful lot of other people because your book, your publisher would have, um, I'm sure, I don't know what, if Anthony would agree with me, but they would have slots on bookshelves. Like if you think there's, I'm sure Aoife will agree. We're going to talk to Aoife now. Only a finite 
amount of book okay. space. Mm. And you want to make sure, hopefully, your book gets onto that quite finite amount of book space. And they've got a slot and you've got to work so hard okay. to make sure that everything is to the letter on time. So let's continue on our journey. We spoke to Anthony, the publisher, Claudia, the author, and now we're going into the shop and we're going to talk to Aoife Rowntree, the manager of Dubray Books of Liverpool Valley, but also chair of the book sell- selling of Ireland. Uh, so the book is published, it's ready and it's available to you. So what happens next? From our point of view, I suppose the process probably starts a couple of months before the book is pu- published. Right. We'll speak to the sales representatives from the publisher or to an agent who's representing the publisher. They'll tell us all about the books that are coming and we'll decide what we will buy and in what quantity based on the space we have, the particular market we have, all of those kind of things. And can I ask you about books, Aoife, in terms of you talk there about the quantity and it's like buying anything, you know, in the commercial sense. You can get it right, you can get it wrong, you can buy too many, you can buy too few. The book that doesn't sell, who who bears the cost of that? We do. <laughs> so the publisher. The vast majority of the vast majority of the, the book trade operates on sale or return. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So it would be the publisher. Hence what kind of Anthony was saying before about uh, and what you mentioned yourself about the vast majority of books maybe not making money and some making a huge amount of money. Anthony, this might be hearsay, but I heard a story of someone who wrote a book uh, and just followed the journey that we've just discussed and about four years later got a call from the publisher saying that there was a, a big truck on the way uh, to their house with all the books that didn't sell. <laughs> could, could that actually happen? Uh, whereby the actual author ends up taking the stock back. No, it's terribly unusual. <laughs> in a contract, um, the author is entitled to buy in a remainder book at 5% of the list price. Okay. And that has happened to us occasionally, but it's rare. Right, okay, okay. Back back to you then, Aoife, just for a second, because I want you to explain maybe the role uh, of the association, what you do and how you work for booksellers on both the island of Ireland and indeed the UK. Yeah, so the Booksellers Association is the representative body for booksellers in the UK and Ireland. The Bookselling Ireland Committee, which I'm chair of at the moment, is made up of Irish members of that association. So we represent members in the North and South particularly. And are they book retailers specifically? They would be. They'd be booksellers with who have physical book premises okay. as well. Yeah. Okay. We don't represent absolutely every bookshop in the country, but the, yeah, the huge majority. Now, maybe this is slightly off-piste, but if we talk about, you know, audio books, e-books, all those kind of things, have they any role in our conversation here today? They're an in- increasing... Audiobooks particularly, our um, sales are increasing by a huge amount in the last couple of years, particularly. Do you sell audiobooks? We don't, no. I mean, it's possible. So the publishers are producing fewer and fewer physical audiobooks, so say on a CD. Mm. That's obviously very cost intensive. They might do it for a few books a year, even the biggest publishers at this stage. Most is digital. there is there is scope potentially in the future for some ways that uh, say even a small independent physical bookshop in Ireland could be selling ebooks and audiobooks to its customers. We're kind of yeah, I, I would have thought that was a, a place that 
that, that, that you should certainly look at. There's Absolutely. a text in that says, I don't understand the appeal of digital book formats. Why did civilization upgrade from impractical scrolls to bound books mm-hmm. only to revert back, revert back to scrolling? Quite right. There's a good one for you, Anthony. <laughs> I like that. Yes. <laughs> now, Anthony, you've said as well, and I, I, I'm, I'm sorry to be honing in on you, but you've also said that fiction is much higher risk than fact. And I'm say, you're saying that with Claudia in the room who writes fiction. But why is it higher risk? Well, with respect to Claudia, 19 works, wonderful. But... Um, because you're, it's bread on the water. You don't know what the response is going to be. Yeah. You, you get endorsements for something you, you, you're excited by. Um, but in the end, it's up to the, the buyer to... Yeah, well, I, 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 I kind of can't yeah. see why fact could be a safer place in that you know what you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. You probably know who's going to buy it it's to some defined, degree. It's a more defined specialist. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, so... You've published 600 titles in 35 years, right? Something yeah, around we're, that. We're going to be 40 in 2024. Yes, okay. Yes, yes, yes. So maybe, maybe 700 by that, that stage. Yes. So in terms of the output then versus what comes in through the door, would it be, again, a very small percentage making it to the other side? 2% perhaps. Yes. Would it be that Would it yeah. be that low? It was tiny, yes. Wow. Yes. Right. <laughs> It's uh, and the margins are about the same. Publishers earn about the same as authors, ten percent if they're lucky. Right. Um, just talking about the the nuts and bolts of where the money goes. Yeah. Yeah, and and with respect, booksellers take you know wholesalers you know take take massive. Well, you know, you, you, you the, the same conversation you could yeah. have with supermarkets. Mm. You know, as in the end retailer versus the farmer. Yeah. You know, this is what we're talking about here, that there are a number of people who have to get paid along the way. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's know. about making sure that there's enough for everybody Completely. in terms of the book reaching its its destination on the shelf and getting the sales. So the sale return factor can be a killer. Yeah. <laughs> That's sweet. It's, it's really tricky. I mean, it makes the industry inaccessible to some whether that's small independent publishers or some authors as well, I would say. Yeah. Um, it's it's very, it's such a big question. It's very, and it's a very difficult when it has operated in that way for so long to go back to the drawing board and say, what would we do differently or how and would we do it? And it costs a bookseller. The bookseller has to crate up the books and physically return them. What happens you know? <laughs> a book that doesn't sell, Anthony? What, where does it go? To a glorious graveyard. We, we have a, a sort of private warehouse which has about half a million books in it. I, I hate. I don't believe in pulping books. So, yeah. um, I, I keep them, and they're based on permanent paper stock and so on. So, okay. And then I feed them back in, uh, and hope that. Do you maybe give them another go three oh, years yeah. later yeah. or that yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. 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 Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Claudia, can I ask you about the early days of your first book and that? Were there many disappointments along the way before you got? I suppose where you before you got to the table and had your first book uh, actually accepted. I, I think we're referring to the word no. Hearing the word <laughs> yeah. no from publishers. And is it a hard no or a gentle it's, no? It's, well, you know, I think that's where an agent minds you and yeah. holds your hand and has mm-hmm. your back and you don't hear the no. You, you get the good news. Yeah, Marianne's get, fantastic. Like she's, that, yeah. oh, incredible. <laughs> and just incredible. But you get the good news. You get, uh, and uh, look, my own story was a particularly fortuitous one that we, we got a publisher and 
it, it went from there. Um, but I know in the world of self-publishing um, that an, an awful lot of authors uh, turned to self-publishing because at least you have that c- control. Um, just me personally, I love working with an editor because they're your first reader very often, yeah. and, as mm. is your agent. And they're the ones who'll come back to your agent particularly and go, maybe just look at changing this. This is what's going to make it more saleable. This is, let's tweak the title. Let's look at this character. And Plus the agent, I'd suggest, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but I would suggest that the agent has an in with the publisher because it's they like know they're trusted yeah, it's an and they will only come forward maybe with, you know, something yes. that they know that the publisher is going to buy. And, and, the, and a good agent like Marianne will have her own or his own readers. Yeah. Um, um, it's a, it's a little bit like um, I know Marianne likens it to being a matchmaker. A, a good agent will know. Okay, well, for instance, this particular publisher, um, like say for instance, Bonnier, are looking for um, commercial fiction, romantic comedy in particular. So let's just talk to this editor here. They're they're they know the right person for the particular work, the yeah. particular work that, that your book, your man, the particular genre that your manuscript fits into, they will know the right person to pitch it to. Um, whereas I know myself, I wouldn't have a clue. Like, how would how would we know? Um, but it's a, quite a skilled process. Eva, I wanted to come back to you about the, uh, the, I suppose, the buoyancy in the market. And again, a, a bit like many things, you know, write off books at your peril. But the the, the, the sales from the uh, Christmas just gone uh, were very, very strong. Um, we're looking at um, the week before Christmas, 11 million uh, in, in sales. Massive I was checking figures. my figures because I, I quoted that uh, to, to your researcher and I, I was actually under egging it. It was 12 million, <laughs> right. in fact, over 12 million. It was the first time ever in a single week. Oh, um, long may it yeah. continue. And <laughs> I also wanted to ask you, you said that TikTok has had an amazing effect uh, on the book industry. How so? Huge. Well, TikTok, there's a whole community on TikTok who talk about books and talk about reading. Um, and they've really made reading cool again for a, for a cohort. What I find interesting is so any other media forms that we're used to, uh, an author goes on the late late, there's a great review in the newspaper, will sell books, but it will sell books to a group who already would have bought a book. You're right. making them buy this book. The TikTok thing, it's selling books to people who most of them were not really reading before. Yeah, isn't that we're amazing? Not buying books it's before. very powerful when you say it like that. Absolutely. That you're bringing in a whole new audience. And very varied, you know. Um, Madeline Miller, who won the Costa for the Song of Achilles 10 or 11 years ago when it came out first, um, and would sell steadily throughout. But back onto the New York Times bestseller lists in 2021, pure, selling 10,000 copies a month in the US on the back of TikTok. Which mm. is extraordinary, right? Yeah. Right. So, so we we we've we've basically followed the, the money in the sense we've heard from the publisher, we've heard from the author, and we've heard from the retailer. And I, I certainly have a better understanding now of how it worked, and I hope I've uh, helped articulate that to our listeners. So, thank you, Anthony Farrell from Lilliput Press, Claudia Carroll, uh, author of Nineteen Books. The latest book, go out and buy it. It's called The Love Algorithm. Great title. And also <laughs> thanks uh, to Eva Roundtree, uh, manager of Dubray Books, and also from the chair of the Booksellers uh, of Ireland and the UK. Thank you so much. 
Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.